Well, good morning. You know, um, I was just thinking about the graduates when they were standing up here. Um, I remember standing up here many years ago. And um, I would just say to the graduates this morning, just to kind of um, just add to what Pastor Dan was already saying to them, if you will aggressively pursue Jesus with all of your heart from this moment forward, the path that he has for you is greater than what you're anticipating, even in your own heart right now. It's, it's true. Um, many of you know, uh, many of you watch me grow up and, and know my own story. But if you had told me when I was standing on these very same steps uh, during that graduation ceremony about some of the things that the Lord has revealed in his kindness and his his goodness and compassion, I, w I probably would have not believed you, and it probably would have overwhelmed me. But I'm letting you know, graduates, and it applies for all of us here, if we will passionately set our heart after Jesus, your life will be changed forever. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for the time we have together around your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here. We thank you that you come to draw our hearts and our minds and our eyes towards you. And so, Lord, give us ears to hear and a heart to receive. Lord, you've got something special for this morning. And we just say yes, Lord. Right now, we just say yes. We receive it. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that we're going to be different because of it. And so, Lord, bless Bethesda today. Thank you for it. We give you praise, Jesus, for all your wonderful works. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. amen. Now, in a moment, we're going to go to Luke chapter 1. So I'll give you a second to find that on your apps or on your Bible. But I want to I want to give you a little update about what's been going on with us and Pastor Dan mentioned something that's coming next summer so I want to just kind of uh, give you a little insight on that. <coughs> the last um, the last couple of months have been really really busy and I know many of you pray for us and you follow us and it just means so very much to me and Elisa to know that we have a home church that is fully engaged in missions and evangelism. So let me just show you a couple of pictures here real quick. The first picture is from Choloteca, Honduras. This was uh, two months ago. Uh, you, you may have remembered us talking about double the harvest. It was when we did two crusade weeks for the first time back to back. And this was the second week. And I, I want to show you that because uh, I'm going to be sharing a story in a little bit about that. Uh, what's really interesting about this particular picture is the entire city went dark at that crusade. It was like, I don't know if someone intentionally pulled the power, but suddenly we were in complete darkness all around us. And so the only light we had was the light that we provide through our generators because we, it's for reasons like this that we invest in generators. And so the crowd just kind of disappears into the darkness. But it was a really amazing, amazing week. And so we thank you for, for praying for that. So that was two months ago in March. Last month we were in Managua, Nicaragua. Our problem here was we didn't have a wide enough lens to capture um, the entire plaza. That is probably about a third of it. Uh, there was over 50,000 people, and we were able to have a part in speaking to the entire nation. If you were following us at all, then you, you saw the pictures of the 10,000 Israeli flags that uh, the people in the front were waving at one particular point. It was such a tremendous 
thing that uh, we, had, we had people who were in the Jewish community responding. You know, what is the purpose for, for Nicaragua waving those flags? Because uh, on just a uh, official level, the relationship that they have with Israel is, is not that enthusiastic. But the Church of Jesus, which is dynamic in Nicaragua, was very enthusiastic to, to share its support. So that's uh, Pastor Dennis and then me on the left uh, in the capital of Nicaragua. Then a week ago, we were in the capital of El Salvador, and many of you know this story already, but we were told, you know, hey, I hope you're wearing a suit when you get on the plane, and I remember why is that important, and they said, because we have a surprise for you when you land, and I've kind of learned now that that's good and bad, and <clears throat> so when we got picked up, they took us immediately, uh, you can see Alvaro, who's a uh, director of intercession for Light of Life International on the right, and then Pastor Dennis than me, and then um, this guy on the left is a doctor, and you're going to hear his story in a, in a few minutes. And they took us straight to the Congress, and we're on the floor there, and they and I said, why are we doing here in the Congress? They said, because um, the, the leaders of all the parties, they want to meet with you. I was like, they want to meet with me? And uh, so they said, yeah. And so, you know, they ushered us to the chamber, and, and they came out of their session, and there were about six or seven of them, and they sat down, and, and they, they began to say, we, we're hearing about what Light of Life International is doing in Central America. We want to know, are you coming to El Salvador? And um, we began to open up our hearts to them. And one of the neatest things that happened was, we just said, you know, could we pray for you, and could we pray for your families? You are the leaders of this nation, um, and I know you have different uh, political views and, 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 and different visions for the nation, but can... Can we still pray for you? And can we pray for this nation? And they agreed. And one of the neatest things to me was watching these men and women who uh, probably day in and day out, they're just rivals and just butting heads. I watched them all take each other's hands. I watched them all bow their head. And they received the prayer that was prayed over them, their families, and their nation. Yeah. So the Lord is doing some um, amazing things. i got one more picture I want to show you real quick. Some of you are going to recognize this picture from a few years ago in 2012. Um, that was us with Honduras Praise in, um, in, in San Pedro Sula. And we have Honduras 2018 because the Lord has opened the door again and put fire in our belly again to call the nation of Honduras to pray. And it's a different administration, but it's fine. The, from the president down, um, just two weeks ago we were in Honduras and the advisor to the president had dinner with us, and he could only be in one place at one time for 40 minutes uh, because there are assassination plots against him. And so, you know, all the security, I mean, I thought this guy was like the greatest waiter in the world. I was just like, this guy is so attentive to us. I mean, we move, he moves. I didn't even realize that he was part of the, you know, the secret service that was there, but uh, <clears throat> figured that out afterwards. You know, but he was saying, listen, the president wants you to know, and all the pastors of Tegucigalpa want you to know, that we need to continue to bow our knee underneath Second Chronicles seven fourteen. that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, if they will turn from their wicked ways, if they'll seek God in heaven, he will answer them, he will forgive their sins, and he will heal their lands. That's what... 
2012 was in San Pedro Sula, and many of you were on that trip. The president of Honduras was there. The vice president of Honduras was there. The Congress, the Supreme Court judges were all there. The, 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 the mayor from San Pedro Sula. That is happening again, but in a larger stadium in the capital. It's going to be enormous. I mean, it's going to be absolutely massive. And so when we were with the with this gentleman, and he brought the, the council of pastors from Tegucigalpa, they said, this is the word from the president and the pastors. We now offer to you every jail in Tegucigalpa. We now offer you every public school in Tegucigalpa. We now offer you every hospital in Tegucigalpa. We now offer you every orphanage in Tegucigalpa. We offer you every neighborhood. If you will come, you can have the country. We are ready to pray. So here's the deal. Next summer, we're, we're, we're believing for a minimum of 500 short-term missionaries to be a part of this work. Because as you can imagine, if we're going to go into every jail, if we're going to go into every school, if we're going to go into every neighborhood and every hospital and every orphanage, we have to have an enormous army going with us. Already we're receiving strong responses from churches as far away as Virginia. There are people in Canada who are praying about it, San Antonio, California, Michigan. And so it's going to be just an amazing assembly of God's saints being allowed to be a part of something that was historic. It had never happened before until 2012 that the president of their nation had stood in an evangelical gathering like that and given an address. It was the first time it happened, and it's going to happen again next year. And so we want you to be a part of that. I do want you to be praying for Honduras. I want you to be praying for El Salvador. Uh, the, the, the country of El Salvador is literally exploding before us. We just, and I don't want to spend all this time giving you an update, but uh, we have been asked we were asked to come a week ago to pray for the president, and it, didn't, it just didn't work out because of some things. But we're going to go back and do that. Um, but here's the amazing thing about that nation. Both Honduras and El Salvador are hungry for the gospel of Jesus, from the president all the way down to those who can't read in the poorest of communities. And so be praying. We have been asked to come in October to do a crusade there. We're going to do one there in October. It's going to be big. It's going to be in the stadium. Um, the one for, that was mentioned for Honduras this summer, it's already sold out. We have no more room for anyone else to come. So I'm sorry. But we'd love to see you in El Salvador. We've also been asked to come back in November in El Salvador to speak to 35,000 teenage and college students. Last year they called the, the generation, the young generation, to the stadium. They had 31,000 people. They're believing more. They're actually going back and forth between doing one stadium and two stadiums. And the only question they had for me was, if we do two stadiums, are you okay flying out in a helicopter off the stage of one stadium into the stadium of the other one? I said, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But, you know, the opportunity in November to speak to the emerging generation about having a passion for Jesus Christ is so clearly deep inside of my heart. And so please be praying for us. The Lord is opening up enormous doors for us in the nations of Central America. We are humbled by it. And so I hope you're listening, graduates. These dreams are bigger than me. I have not written them. He is writing them. And he will do the same for you if you'll let him write on your heart. Amen. Okay. So for like the last six weeks, I've been looking at the life of Luke. And 
the more I look at the, the Luke, this, this, this person named Luke, this doctor named Luke, the more I've become convinced that he's had an amazing encounter with the Holy Spirit. And what I want to do today is say two things. One, more than ever before, we need an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And then the second thing I want to say is, whatever that encounter looks like, I hope it has the same type of fruit that we see in the life of Luke. And so let's get started today. If I had an entire week to unpackage what is in my heart, it would not be long enough today. But don't worry, I'm going to have you out by midnight. <laughs> so what do we know about Luke? Well, we know Luke was a doctor. We know that he was a Gentile. We know he was an author. He's the one who wrote the Gospel of Luke. He's also the one who penned the words in the book of Acts. We know that he was one who traveled with Paul extensively during his missionary journeys. And if I just think for a moment and, and, and just honestly evaluate, if he hadn't had such a dramatic encounter with the Holy Spirit, and if he hadn't been obedient to the push of the Holy Spirit, he may not have written the Gospel of Luke or the book of Acts. Now just think about that for a moment. What happens if Luke, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, decides not to write the book of Acts? Suddenly, we know a lot less about the Apostle Paul. We know absolutely nothing about Stephen, nothing about Cornelius, nothing about Philip, very little about James and so many others. But beyond that, how much more of the Holy Spirit, his purposes, his power, his presence and person would we have lost? The loss would have been enormous if just one man having an encounter with the Holy Spirit pushes back and says, I want to do it my way. This is a man, Luke, who carries a powerful message like fire inside his belly. And it's really twofold. You see this in the gospel and you see it in Acts. Number one, it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And number two, it's the purpose and power of the Holy Spirit. Look again at the book of Acts. What does he do there? In the first part, he presents the Holy Spirit and his impact upon the Jews. But in the second part, he presents the Holy Spirit and its impact to the Gentiles. This is the amazing thing. To both the Jews and the Gentiles, the message is the same. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. To both the Jews and to the Gentiles, the dynamic of the Holy Spirit is the same. It's the manifestation of supernatural power. And you need to know today that our lives are supposed to be about these two things. They should be caught up in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they should be demonstrated by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. Luke had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Now his encounter with the Holy Spirit is not directly given to us in Scripture. He may have been in the upper room 
on the day of Pentecost. We don't know, but he wrote about it. He may have been one of the 70 that Jesus often sent out before him, before he was going into the towns. We don't know, but he wrote about it. It could have been another event highlighted in Scripture, but we don't know. But what we do know is just by looking into his writings, into the Gospel of Luke, into the book of Acts, it becomes clear that Luke had an encounter with the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. This would be what would take me a week or more to unpackage. Because if you just take a sample, if you just take the first chapter or even the second chapter of the book of Acts, or if you just take Luke chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, there's so much there about the Holy Spirit. Whether you look in chapter 1 at Zacharias or Mary, whether you look in chapter 2 at Simeon or Anna, or whether you get into chapter 3 and beyond with John the Baptist, it is Luke constantly bringing the Holy Spirit back to the forefront for the reader to see and to understand. This is true. That if you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, you are going to have fruit that is clearly visible for other people to see. Luke had a high estimation of the Holy Spirit. And today, I want to say to all of us, we need an encounter with the Holy Spirit. This is our prayer in Central America. And I find that the more we pray, Lord, Honduras needs an encounter with the Holy Spirit. We see the Holy Spirit breathing on Honduras. The more we cry out, Lord, El Salvador needs an encounter with the Holy Spirit. The more we see him breathing on El Salvador. Lord, in Nicaragua, in Costa Rica, in Panama. Lord, up to Mexico, in Guatemala, in Belize, in the Caribbean, in the Dominican Republic. Lord, down into Colombia, down into Peru, the Holy Spirit breathes. And let me say today, the United States of America needs an encounter with the Holy Spirit. All right, that's the introduction. We love you, Jesus. You are our hope. You're our heart. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming as the anointer and as the anointing, drawing our eyes to Jesus because you are the only one that matters. All right, let's turn to our, I told you we're going to turn to the book of Luke. Let's go to Luke chapter 1. Like I said, there are so many things that we could break down. I want to just take a slice, the very first part of Luke and the story of Zacharias, and let's see what the three things that we can learn about the Holy Spirit this morning just from this simple passage. Luke chapter 1, verse 11 through 17, let's read it together. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, their God. It only takes Luke 
15 verses to introduce the Holy Spirit to us who are reading the Gospel of Luke. And if you're interested about the book of Acts, it takes him two verses. Second verse, Holy Spirit. But here in Luke, it takes him 15 verses before he makes his first reference to the Holy Spirit. And that reference comes from the mouth of an angel. And this is what the angel says, you're going to have a son. Your prayer has been answered. He's going to be powerful and he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So this brings us to insight number one about the Holy Spirit. And it's this, angels know who the Holy Spirit is. Just say it again. The angels know who the Holy Spirit is. I don't mean to develop this point much this morning, but I just want to acknowledge the awareness that angels have of the Holy Spirit. It's Gabriel who, who just in a few more verses, when he's interacting with Mary, identifies himself this way and says, I am he who stands in the presence of God. And he's the one who says this to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Do you know what I've been praying for us this week? That the Holy Spirit would come upon us. That the power of the highest would overshadow us. The angels know who the Holy Spirit is. If nothing else, it should pique our interest in knowing more about the Holy Spirit. If an awareness of the Holy Spirit and his work on earth is important that the angels are proclaiming it and declaring it, then maybe it should pique our interest as well. Simply put, if the angels know about him, and if the angels are talking about him, then we need to know more about the Holy Spirit, and we should be talking more about the Holy Spirit. Insight number one about the Holy Spirit. The angels are aware of him. The Holy Spirit is known among the angels. That brings us to the second insight about the Holy Spirit. We read in the text in that verse 15, and it says, He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Now catch this. Even from his mother's womb. This is Dr. Luke talking. And Dr. Luke is telling us that the Holy Spirit is part of the creation process. For John, he would be filled with the Holy Spirit before being born. For Mary, the Holy Spirit would birth inside her the incarnate one, Jesus the Christ. Now, watch this. Go back to Genesis. And let's remember how it begins. And it starts like this. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then there's a Holy Spirit statement right there at the very beginning of Genesis. 
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And what does it say about the Spirit of God? What does it say about the Holy Spirit? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the Holy Spirit was hovering over the deep. Catch this. So on a macro level, creation, from the very beginning of existence and time, in all its splendor, the sun, the moon, the stars, the earth, all of it, there's the Holy Spirit brooding over it. And on a micro individual level, as seen in the birth of John and Jesus, we see the Holy Spirit is at work in the entire creation process. This should deepen our awe of the work of the Holy Spirit. His involvement in the creation process. It should also encourage us. The Bible tells us that he's known us even from the foundations of the world. And catch this. Even as the Holy Spirit had a purpose for John the Baptist and a purpose for Jesus the Christ, he has an assignment and a destiny for our lives today. I told you I was going to share a story about that doctor that you saw in El Salvador. And it goes all the way back to Choloteca, the crusade that was two months ago in Honduras. And let me share it with you because it speaks to the creative process. You know, the Holy Spirit is so important. We absolutely need an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And if you've been with us on our, our crusade weeks, you know on the Saturday night that there is a call from our heart to heaven for the fire of God to fall on that crowd and to fall on those families and to fall on that city and in those states and in those nations. And normally when it happens, when the fire of God falls, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes like a rushing wind, when the glory of God begins to manifest itself among us, it's holy. And we saw that in Choloteca. As we have seen it in so many other places, as God begins to do what only God can do. Yeah, we've seen miracles. I'm going to share one with you here in a moment. We've seen restoration. We've seen salvation. We've seen deliverance. We've seen all these things that the Holy Spirit wants to do because he wants to bring us to Jesus. And so we are in Choloteca. And the fire of God had gone out and, and many people had come up and they were testifying and testifying and testifying. And after an extended period of time of all these testimonies of the miracles of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, people being called into ministry, people being healed, people being saved, set free, it was starting to wind down. And so Pastor Dennis took me by the arm and he said, let's go ahead and just, let's just Turn it over to the rest of our team, and, and we'll slide off so we don't get, you know, just overwhelmed by people. So we slid off and got into the car, and we left. About 45 minutes later, that doctor walks into where we're eating. Very late, but they stayed open, and he walks in. I see these tears. I'm like, doctor, what happened? Understand, El Salvador had sent a diplomatic um, delegation seven and a half hours so they could witness what was going to take place that night. 
And they were driving back after me and this doctor finished having a conversation. They were going to drive all the way back through the night across Honduras back to El Salvador, back to El Salvador, San Salvador. He looks to me, he says, have you heard? I said, what, 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 have, what are you referring to, doctor? He said, after you left, one of the other people who was still in that line was a little girl. I said, really? How, how old? Maybe 12 years old, 10 years old, something like that. I said, wow, what happened? Well, that girl was born mute. I said, really? She hasn't been able to say anything, even much less make any, any sounds for 10, 12, 13 years of her life. I said, really? I said, what did, what did Jesus do for her, doctor? And he said, I was standing there. He goes, I am a doctor. I am an MD. I work in hospitals and surgeries. I do things in operations. I care for patients all the time. And this girl, she came up on the platform because she was starting to make sounds. And she wanted to begin, she just wanted to make a testimony that I'm starting to make sounds. And as they were on there, the music is playing, the worship team is playing, you know, worship choruses before the Lord. And she starts to sing the worship chorus on the platform. The Lord begins to open her mouth. And wait, this is amazing. The guy on our team knows that he's a doctor, says, doctor, come here. Would you please tell us what's happening? And he gets up there and he says, this girl, she's beginning to form her tongue for the first time and her lips for the first time. And there's breath coming across the tongue for the first time. She's making sounds. Now she's discovering that she can sing. The Lord is completely healing her of her muteness. That doctor, looking at me in that restaurant, tears streaming down his face, says to me, Stephen, tonight I saw the glory of God. I saw the glory of God. This MD, this doctor saw the glory of God and was able to be a part of the work of the Holy Spirit there. The Holy Spirit is creative. The Holy Spirit is powerful. And friends, we need an encounter with the Holy Spirit. He is able to heal. He is able to redeem. He is able to restore what has been stolen. He is able to break through. This Holy Spirit is powerful. He is mighty. And he comes to bring us before Jesus. And with Jesus, there's a testimony that says, thank you, Jesus. We have seen the glory of God. That's the doctor, and he is the one who started telling all the leaders in the country about what he saw, which was why when we were on the plane, we found out we needed the suit because the leaders were like, we want to see you because we're wanting to hear more. So the first insight, the angels, they know who the Holy Spirit is. Second insight. The Holy Spirit is part of the creation process. And then this is the third. The Holy Spirit is part of the redemptive process. Again, back to the text, Luke chapter 1, verse 16. It says, 
and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. The angel, having announced to Zacharias that he's going to have a son and that this son is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit even in the womb, now gives a revelation to the purpose of John coming forth. And it is this, that John would turn many to the Lord. And this is one of the express roles of the Holy Spirit, that our eyes would be turned to Jesus. Now, here we go. On the day of Pentecost, the crowd asked Peter, in response to everything that was going on, they asked him, having heard from what Peter had just told them, Peter, what shall we do? And Peter responds, repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus the Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now the term used here for gift is doria. It's a Greek term. And it means this. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that produces life. This is what Jesus meant when he was talking to Nicodemus and he said, you must be born again. Because the birthing of the Holy Spirit inside our hearts is the salvation experience. However, after you receive the gift of eternal life, you are baptized into the Holy Spirit to be endued with power. Jesus said, you shall receive power, or in Spanish, poder. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. So on the day of resurrection, the church was birthed, and on the day of Pentecost, it was empowered. How did this work for the early dis disciples? Like this. After, the day of res after he was resurrected, Jesus breathed on the disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Yet 40 days later, to these same disciples, he insisted that they tarry in Jerusalem until they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. The disciples received the gift of life from the resurrection. And they received the gifts of power from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this is the twofold work of the Holy Spirit. One is to give you eternal life, and the other one is to assign you power. One is for the work of salvation, and the other one is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. This morning, we need an encounter with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not just a theology, or it's not just something we add to songs. The Holy Spirit, hear me, is a supernatural force. This morning, each of us individually need an encounter with the Holy Spirit. This morning, our city and our state desperately needs an encounter with the Holy Spirit. This morning, our nation desperately needs an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And this morning, our world, our culture, our generations desperately need an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Amen. From Genesis to the Incarnation, 
from the incarnation to the return of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is hovering over it all. This is why the angels declare his work and his majesty. Because the Holy Spirit is active in the earth. He is active in our church service right now to bring people to Jesus and to set us on fire as his gospel agents. When everybody just stands.